Greetings, church and friends of the church. Uh, this is the scripture lesson and the sermon from the service of worship that was held uh, by the Valley Forge Presbyterian Church on October 24th, 2021. The text is from Matthew's Gospel, uh, these two accounts from chapters 18 and 19 of Jesus um, encountering and talking about children. And uh, the reflection, key reflection is on how God gathers the people together uh, with children. So Matthew, in, uh, in telling the story of Jesus, writes, The disciples asked Jesus, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called a child, whom he put among them, and said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever becomes humble like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. If any of you put a stumbling block before any of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for you if a great millstone were fastened around your neck and you were drowned in the depth of the sea. And little children were being brought to him in order that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples spoke sternly to those who brought them. But Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not stop them. For it is to such as these that belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and he went on his way. So in this season of our life together as a congregation, we are considering what it means that we are gathered together by God in community and in purpose across boundaries of space and time and human labels and categories in order that we might give glory to God in all that we say and all that we do, in order that we might pursue koinonia sharing of all things in common for the sake of nurturing a common good and meeting needs. And in order that we might seek godly wisdom so that we might participate in God's activity by our actions. So in the last episode, um, we considered how God seeks to gather us together with those who are hungry, not in distinct and separate gatherings, but together with as part of the one body of mutual belonging and concern together in relationships of mutual care and how Jesus orders those who are following his way to feed those who are hungry in, koinonia, in the spirit of koinonia sharing and with love for neighbor. We consider this primarily at this point because of a vision that we have for the future of our congregation, particularly that our fellowship hall remain committed to the operation of the Upper Marion Area Communion Cupboard moving forward for the sake of its efforts to bring compassion and help to those who are hungry. And in this episode, we seek to respond to these texts from Matthew's Gospel by considering that God gathers God's people together with children. Just like God never intended the poor and the hungry to be separate from, differentiated from, 
anyone else from us, but instead part of the one body, so too does God forever intend that children are part of the body, part of the community as it is gathered together in mutual care and concern. And this is not just an affirmation of our pre-COVID insistence that in this particular sanctuary in King of Prussia, that this is a sanctuary for the children of our families and not a sanctuary from them as they are demanded to be elsewhere. But this is an affirmation more generally and universally of the value of all children. At the time of Jesus, children were not esteemed or valued by contemporary religious and social norms. We assumed that their parents loved them very much, just like we do now, but they just weren't thought to have anything to offer society until they were grown. Societally, boys becoming men um, who could tend the flocks or the fields were celebrated as growing into a valuable societal role. Likewise, girls becoming women who could be married off to keep house and to birth the next generation were celebrated for growing up and into a valuable societal role. But before they could be productive in these particular ways, they weren't thought to have any value or anything to offer society. As members of the religious ecosystem, children in Jesus' time were uh, considered to be in training and exempt from keeping the Hebrew religious laws until a certain age. The boys were educated by local rabbis until about that age eight. Uh, and after that, most went, got to work helping with the family trade. Um, a select few stayed on with the rabbis to be nurtured toward their own religious leadership in the future, that they might be the rabbis that then bring up the next generation in the law. And the girls were educated in the religious laws at home as they helped mom and learned all those homekeeping tasks. In this view of children, societal and religious norms didn't really assign children any value other than in their potential to be a valuable and productive adult someday. Productive societally as a working husband or mothering wife and productive religiously as an adult who can do their part in keeping the law and making the appropriate sacrifices to God when they didn't. And that was in order to, in their understanding, in order to ensure God's continued favor upon the whole community, the whole people. For their, their fear wasn't just an individual fear that God would punish the individual for breaking the law, but also a corporate fear. That, uh, that enough disobedience by individuals would lead to a corporate punishment of the people by God. And, and so every adult had to do their part to obey and to appease God. This was, this was the religious system of the day. And so life was all about the adults teaching and shaping and training and guiding the children from a place of little to no value to a place of value as an adult. There's this oft quoted line from Proverbs 22, train children in the right way. And when they are old, they will not stray. Children were to be kept alive sufficiently trained so that they could become valuable when they came of age. They were to be seen and not heard, and the only adults that they were to engage were those directly responsible for 
teaching and training them and nurturing them. And we can see this in Matthew's story. We look, and we read between the lines. Jesus had to call a child from a faraway place and intentionally put that child among them. That child knew that she or he did not belong among, among these adults because that child understood that she or he did not have any value yet, did not have anything meaningful to contribute yet, did not have any reason to be part of the community yet. But Jesus looked at the children in a very different way. When asked, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven on earth? Perhaps most people assumed he would say something about the men with the most productive fields or flocks or the women with the most productive wombs. Perhaps they assumed it might be something about the most productively religious, the, the ones most obedient, who kept the most laws and made, made all the right sacrifices. But Jesus called for a child who was neither being seen nor heard in that moment, was not productive, was not yet religious in the correct ways, was not thought to have any value yet. And he says to the to the people, unless you change and become like these children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven, you know, let alone be the greatest, which is what they asked. Jesus, in his teaching, leaned heavily on Isaiah's prophetic tradition. And perhaps in this moment, we, we hear echoes of Isaiah's insistence that the way to the poor and the meek being restored to equity and the lions and the lambs laying down together in peace, that that way will be led by a little child. And a little child shall lead them, wrote Isaiah. As the church, those here and around the world seeking to faithfully follow Jesus' ways to nurture his kingdom on earth as the social order, as our politics, we have to confess that we're not called by Jesus to focus on being the most productive, the most wealthy, the most pious women or men, but instead we are those who are to change and to become like children. We are those who are to become humble, like that child pulled out by our Lord to stand before a crowd expecting a completely different role model. He says we have to change, and that, that word literally means in the Greek language the, the turning of the strands of a rope. So more figuratively, it means what we might describe colloquially today as a 180, an about face, a complete turn, taking the opposite course. We're called to, to turn completely on those worldly norms and expectations of childhood and adulthood. And, and instead to become in all our days like children, childlike, not childish, although there's a time and a place for that um, every once in a while, but, but, but to become childlike instead of what our world tells all of us adults that we're supposed to be. He says that whoever becomes humble like a young child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. This is the way that we're to turn and to change. Not to become childish again, but
but to become humble again. The word become humble, it's this intentional action. It's not, it's not a character. Hum, humility to Jesus was not a characteristic that describes some people, but not others. Uh, but it's, a, it's an action that anybody could do to become humble in rejecting individualism and pride, in dismissing the myth of self-reliance and production, in emptying the ego, in living with a sense of dependence and interdependence upon God and others in relationship. A child does not claim self-reliance. A child does not have a fully developed ego, which would cause her or him to seek a sense of worth through self-serving and productive means, even if that's detrimental to others. A young child finds a sense of worth through the connection to and the love of others. To enter the kingdom of heaven on earth, we have to pull this 180. We have to admit that the way of Jesus is a completely different way than what our culture tells us is the way. We have to turn away from these worldly norms of the self-sufficient and individualistic adult. And if we aren't actively seeking to be humble, if instead we're egotistical, self-focused, production-focused, individualistic, then we won't find ourselves living in the kingdom on earth. We'll find ourselves living in the, the kingdom of the contemporary world. But if we are childlike, aware of our interdependence on God and on others, understanding that life is about us together as a whole and not just me as an individual, and if we haven't allowed the ways of this world to harden and uh, us and to quell our empathy, we enter into the kingdom here in order to guide us into humility. And therefore, like true greatness, true embodiment in the kingdom here, Jesus seeks to place intentionally children among us all. Not somewhere else disconnected from us, but among us in the midst of relationships. And with this, Jesus asserts that children are not just ours as adults to teach and train and mold and indoctrinate and, and turn into us and hide them away until they're finally able to be valuable as adults like we are. Rather, he asserts that children are essential in teaching and reshaping and reorienting and guiding us, the people of his church. Because kids are not obsessed with producing at all costs, even if that comes at a detriment to another. They are playful. They're relational. They're interdependent rather than self-reliantly productive. They think about what is good and what is possible rather than only thinking about production, what can be commodified. Kids, their understanding of God is not one of obligatory legalistic obedience and fear of failure and divine retribution. Kids understand that God is a source of love and life, providing loving adults to protect and nurture them, providing food and shelter, providing neighbors and friends to play with and sunshine and rain to maintain the life-giving balance of all creation. They do not think that the only thing that God demands of them is self-focused and legalistic piety. And they aren't just interested in heaven. Kids understand that our neighbors are part of God's family to love and to help, and not competition standing in the way of production, or not sinners to be judged. 
we must change and become like them in order to truly live in this kingdom on earth. And so the spirit of Jesus will always be seeking to place children among us all, not only for an hour as some freely choose to gather in practices of worship in particular places like this, but at all times. So that children are constantly teaching and reshaping and reorienting and guiding us adults when our social and religious views get misguided. And so they can remind us of God's true nature and God's true will of a peaceful and joyful community of mutual care and interdependence. And if we adopt this childlike posture of interdependence and the sense of mutuality, mutual care and concern, we understand as we are in relationship with and in belonging to these children that we are to nurture and educate and care for them, the children of our community in response. It really does take a village to raise a child. And right now, our particular village, not just the ones that come into this building, but that exist outside of these walls within the King of Prussia area, our village needs more intentional help in raising their children. We do not live in a society anymore where dad working generated enough income to afford all the necessities and many of the luxuries of life and where mom is home with the children. Families no longer need just a few hours of nursery school to prep them for kindergarten with mom able to provide all the other needs and logistics. Rather, we live in a society now where both parents must work all day, not just a couple hours. And despite that, many families still cannot afford all the necessities of life, let alone luxuries. Ask Lynn Kopaki, our nursery school director, CE director, linchpin of this congregation. Ask Lynn and she will tell you that grandparents and paid caregivers are now the majority of adults that are dropping off and picking up nursery school students because parents are at work. She will also tell you that most of these kids don't have luxurious clothes or vacations, and many don't even have sufficient clothing or, or any time away in leisure. A family in our community can expect to pay between $350 to $450 each week per kid for all-day care for their children while parents work. In many cases, these costs are equal to, if not more than, what one parent makes in their job, and so they're forced to decide whether or not they should just keep one parent at home, even though the other parent won't make enough to make ends meet. They get caught in this catch-22, and this is where many of the families that, that we've met through the, the good work of the Upper Marion Area Community Cupboard, this is, the, this is the, the, the place in which they live, and, and many of our families that we know. There are far too many families of our community who just don't have a good answer for how to provide for the nurture, education, and care of their pre-grade school children without all their circumstances just imploding around them. Our village isn't meeting the true needs of families within our village. And it's critical that we do so that we maintain the well-being in the central place of children within our community so that they can do what they need to do for us as adults. 
and guiding and reorienting and pointing us back to that place of humility and interdependence. And so with childlike humility and a sense of mutual belonging to these families and children, our congregation is being asked to discern if we are called to transform this room into a space that's flexible enough that we might use it Monday to Friday to creatively expand our participation in the nurture, education, and care of children with a modified approach to welcoming children led faithfully by Lynn and her team. Is this what we're called to do? Not only to welcome children into the midst of our worship practices on Sundays, but to welcome them in a far more intentional and neighborhood-centric way so that we might invest in their nurture and well-being. And are we called to stop generally dismissing the value of children and to adopt a fresh willingness and desire to learn the ways of the kingdom from them as God gathers us with children? here, there, out in our circles, everywhere. As we consider this vision, dramatically changing this space and with intentionality investing in the well-being of children as we open our hearts and spirits to what they have to teach us, we remember the words of Jesus that whoever welcomes the children welcomes him. And thank God, the little children shall, will lead us into the kingdom together. Peace be with you all. Be well. Stay healthy and safe. And take care.